Welcome to the Cap City Outfitters Podcast. This is episode 60. You've got Chris and Brian. Um, today is another edition of Tales from Behind the Gun Counter. Yes. And we're going to discuss ways to not unglock your AR. There you go. Um, so you've heard us in the past, unglocking your Glock, putting crap in it that doesn't work, putting too much in it, putting five different parts in it one time, and then trying to figure out which one's making it stop, blah, 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 blah. Um, I, quite honestly, this is probably a bigger problem with ARs than it ever has been for Glocks. Um, you know, we see on a regular basis, and, and you guys hear us, and we, you know, we, we, we're pretty rough on people who buy, you know, cheaper brands or off brands and stuff like that, and then, you know, have issues with them. And it's like, oh my God, you bought a PSA and it doesn't work right. Shocking. Here comes the hate from the three guys who have PSA guns with like three mags apiece. I ain't had a jam in mine. It runs like a top for the first 62 rounds. <laughs> okay, cool. Um, you know, whatever. That's fine. Um, but the reality check is with certain brands of guns, we tend to see issues. But even with really good brands of guns, with people modifying them, we see issues. Um, so literally in the last 30 days, um, and there's a couple guys, if you listen to the podcast and you're one of these guys, um, and, and you're, and you're butthurt about this, I will apologize. And then I'll let you know that there's this new preparation H product that, you know, probably will take care of things for you. Um, there, but it's still a reality check and we're using you to uh, illuminate for others, educate others and help the world and make the world a better place by not unlocking your AR. So starting with um, about a month ago, a Daniel Defense rifle um, that actually we sold new, a uh, customer came back in, was a little bit unhappy because they were having some issues with the trigger. Um, it was doubling or failing to reset intermittently and then it would reset like on its own, um, things of that nature. Uh, I was really thrown off by this because in general, Daniel Defense does a pretty crappy mil-spec trigger that's like just good enough to pass mil-spec testing from a perspective of feel. It's perfectly serviceable, it's stupid reliable, but it's creepy as crap um, With, and generally way heavy. And all the grit of like 80 grit sandpaper. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, you know, that's one of the complaints that, you know, with Daniel Defense, I'll, I, and, I, and again, since we're making Glock analogies, I treat it like Glock sights. If I'm going to spend $1,600, $1,700 on a rifle, um, I, I like Daniel Defense because of Hammer Forge barrels and URG type four ends and really good quality in general. Um, I'd rather they didn't put a trigger in the gun that I didn't want because I'd be paying for it and then having to replace it with something else just like Glock sights. I'm perfectly content with Glock putting crappy sights on their guns because I'm going to knock them off and put Trigicons on. So without belaboring the point, um, this gentleman's gun was he was having trigger issues and I was kind of taken aback by that. Um, come to find out, and I'm not going to pick on the brand because it's actually a decent quality brand and it may have been simply uh, installed improperly um, by said end user. Um, but we, we took the trigger out and you know, immediately opened the gun up. Oh, wow, that's not a stock trigger and you're having problems. Shocking. Um, this was a, a relatively inexpensive unitized trigger system. Um, popped the pins, pulled it out, put a Geisley in it, right as rain, um, and, and set the customer off. Uh, saw him probably about a week later. He'd been to the range and chopped the gun quite a bit, actually. Put four or 500 rounds through it. And, and while he was happy with the trigger, he was, he was a little disappointed because the previous trigger we pulled out was actually billed as a like one and a half or two pound trigger. Um, 
And, and so, you know, that maybe that was the issue. Uh, maybe that was the issue. Kind of stupid light for a defensive yeah, rifle. Well, and maybe it's not a defensive rifle, or maybe the guy just doesn't know any better or whatever. Um, either way. But when he came back to say, yeah, it's a little bit heavier. Um, but the one thing I noticed is when I shoot mil-spec ammo, it makes all of them go bang. Um, he had been having like one in five light strikes on like American Eagle XM 193, mm-hmm. 55 grain mil spec ammo. Stuff with uh, the hard CCI primer. Exactly, exactly. So, and, and didn't bother to mention that. Um, and so, yeah, so, you know, you know it's amazing how curing one problem cures a few of them um, when it's the same culprit causing all of them. Um, so, yeah, so, you know, when you go to put in competition type devices in your defensive tools, be extremely cautious with that. Um, go vet that piece of equipment, go make sure it works. This gentleman did just that. He struggled through half a day of shooting and then brought it in and, and now it's fixed. So kudos to him for, you know, for, for, for getting stuff taken care of. Um, I don't know if it was last weekend or two weekends ago, we had a, another gentleman come in. Um, he had purchased, uh, a, a gun and a half or two guns, uh, from a friend, um, Home built guns. Um, again, I, I don't. I don't want to be abusive here. I, I just want to tell you guys what we ran into, what what we saw. Um, you know, these were guns that were uh, assembled out of you know entry level quality. I won't even say entry level quality because we consider Aero Precision entry level quality, and it's really good stuff. Uh, these were manufactured or put together home built guns out of parts that that I'm going to say are suspect. Uh, stuff coming out of Palmetto State. I'm not saying everything Palmetto State does is crap, but I'm saying enough of it's crap that if you don't know what you're looking at, um, you know, you might have problems. And so these guns were assembled with um, a, a, a number of different issues. They were assembled. Uh, one of the biggest things you ran into, when you pick up a gun that somebody built um, and the barrel nut is not timed properly so that the handguard, when it slides on, is in line with the upper rail, I'm going to be concerned about that right off the rip because it's an attention to detail conversation at the least. It's potentially an over-torqued barrel nut um, and other issues with alignment within the gun with things like gas tubes and things of that nature. Um, Your barrel nut impinging on your gas tube as it goes through the front of the receiver can be anything from something that just doesn't look nice, is not put together with care, just to something that could affect accuracy, to something that could actually affect function of the gun if it actually pinches it or, or does some weird things to it. It also causes misalignment internally within the top of the upper receiver where your gas key slides over the gas tube. If you've cocked the gas tube off to one side or the other, it can do things like wear on your carrier key or on your gas key. Um, it can cause wear on the inside of the receiver and it can cause the gun to not work properly either through friction or misalignment of the gas system. Um, the, these these two devices were just they, they were rough man they, they were just rough we had yeah. a, um you know a cobble of substandard parts thrown together to create something that just didn't want to do anything right um and, and you know and i kind of i, I kind of felt for the guy because he's a dude you know this is his buddy you know and and so it, you know and now he's going back to his buddy and going hey you know what what you built doesn't work and i paid you good money for it that's kind of an uncomfortable conversation um for you know probably for both of them and I guess, it, you know, I, I don't want to be the guy building that gun. And then if it's time to sell it, sell it to somebody, not knowing if they're going to have problems or knowing full well they're going to have problems. I don't know. Um, yeah, all one I'll of, say one is of the other things with that particular gun uh, had a super heavy barrel. Yeah. Uh, the one um, with the yeah. oversized gas block to fit over 
Yeah, like super probably, heavy barrel. Probably a .936 diameter gas uh, block race in a slightly larger barrel, probably a full one-inch barrel. And trying to fit it all inside a standard handguard. So yeah. the yeah. gas block was actually touching the free float handguard, unfree floating the gun. Well, and more than just touching it, 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 it appeared to have had to have been almost hammered over it, um, almost forced into position. Um, because it just simply didn't fit. The inside of the handguard was gouged up really bad from where this thing had been installed, it would appear. Um, and, and I'm sorry, you know, at that point, you no longer have a free-floated gun. What you know, you, you, any money you spent on a free-floated handguard, you just wasted because, you're, you know, it's directly impinging on the device that it's not supposed to touch at all. I would say the same thing. Any money you spent on a, you know, a high-quality barrel or a, yeah. an accurized barrel, um, because I don't know if that barrel was high quality or not. Yeah, I, um, I don't recall, honestly. But, you know, as soon as that, you know, isn't isn't free-floated properly, you know, any torque yeah. you apply to the handguard is going to get transferred to the barrel, yeah. and you will end up with shifts downrange um, for point of aim, point of impact. Yeah, and, and ostensibly on a gun like that, you know, you're going to put a bipod on a big heavy barrel gun like that and use it for, you know, maybe a little more precise shooting or, or maybe hunting at a distance or whatever. And any torque you load into that bipod, it, in, unless you are like robotically consistent about it, um, you're it's, it's a different force vector and it's going to change your point of aim, point of impact every single time. So it, it just kind of, like I said, the, this, this dude was a super nice guy. He was really cool about it. And I felt really bad because I felt like I was bashing on his toy. And I was definitely bashing on his buddy um, who built him, um, you know. But you know, it's just something that we see on a regular basis. We, you know, when you when you're if if you've not built an AR before, um, I'm not saying don't build an AR. My God, we sell all kind of builder parts for ARs, um, you know. But you know, do do your research, do your due diligence, and understand how things fit, and understand why you're putting components on the gun that you're putting on the gun. Um, if you're putting a a Magpul bad lever on every gun you make, and you have no idea why. Don't, don't waste the 30 bucks um, because you're probably not doing yourself any favors. It's, it's another mechanical part to the gun that adds on to it that you've got to maintain and take care of. I love bad levers. I put them on all my guns. I know why I use them. Um, I also pull the screws out once a year, relock tight them, and put them back together because I don't want anything to come loose. Um, if you're just throwing it on the gun because you think it's badass or you saw a Navy squeal with one on it or something like that, then that's cool. Um, the same thing with free float handguards, you know, if you're putting a free float handguard on the gun, but you don't have any idea what it does, you just like the optics of it, that's perfectly fine. Um, but if you're installing it yourself and you don't understand why you put a free float handguard on a gun and then you do something like put a bipod or a bipod mount on it right where the gas block is, and now your mount's touching the gas block and you can't figure out why your accuracy went to crap, you know, be, be aware of that. Um, you know, understand that you may not know what you don't know and, and seek help. That's cool. We'll make fun of you a little bit, but then we'll help you get, we'll help you get it squared away. Yeah. To add to that on the free float handguards, uh, they are not all created equal. True. Uh, some of them are just straight up made out of Chinesium. Yeah. Um, some of them have barrel nuts that are made out of Chinesium, which yeah. is probably even worse. Yeah. Um, maybe the other, the, probably some of them are made out of Wuhan Chinesium. <laughs> They're really bad. They'll get you killed in the streets and stuff or on cruise ships, whatever. Um, the other thing with uh, free float handguards, basically every single one um, interfaces directly with the barrel nut. Yeah. The barrel nuts are all proprietary, which means you need to take off the gas block from your, your existing gas block to install the barrel nut. Um, and then your handyard should mechanically attach or mechanically lock up with screws or bolts or cross bolts or something. something. 
no. to that degree um, onto the barrel nut um, to keep the handguard from sliding off when the whole thing heats up. Yep. Um, this goes back I don't know, a couple months now. We had a gentleman come in with an AR pistol and wondering like what was going on. Uh, there was a good three quarters of an inch gap between the upper receiver and the handguard from where his handguard had basically <coughs> pulled itself off of the barrel nut to where there's only a couple millimeters of handguard still on the barrel nut. Yeah. Um, because he had a, a Chinesium handguard with no mechanical lockup um, onto the barrel nut. Yeah. I mean, it, you know, there are just a number of these things where, you know, there's a lot of guys out there building guns who think they know what they're doing, and, and they don't. They, they don't. Be very, very, very aware um, and cautious of, maybe even dubious or suspect of, that buddy of yours who will build you a gun cheaper than, I can build you just as good a gun for cheaper than a Daniel. Um, beware of that guy. Um, you know, especially when you don't know enough about what parts are being put into it. You know, I'm not saying, you know, that your buddy's trying to screw you. Um, it, he just may not know what he doesn't know. Um, we've had situations here where we've had law enforcement officers come in with guns built by their buddy, who's a police officer who, oh, he was in the army. He knows what he's doing. Um, and, and built guns and did things like used anti-seize compounds between the barrel and the receiver that weren't the proper anti-seize. Number one, no anti-seize compound goes between the barrel and the receiver. It goes on the threads for the barrel nut, um, number one. And then number two, used a anti-seize compound that whatever adjunct it had in it reacted with the aluminum and pitted it. And at some point, even though the barrel nut was relatively tight, the the barrel was loose in the receiver and the gun went from shooting just fine to shooting minute of you know i don't know School minivan us. or something like that um yeah i mean it, it was it was bad um and you know pulled the gun apart you know felt the barrel being loose pulled the gun apart looked inside of the receiver and it, if you ran your finger around it it was pitted like chunks of stuff were coming out um and you know somebody used something they shouldn't have in some place that doesn't require any lubrication, much less the wrong lubrication. Um, you know, and that, that was kind of frustrating for the gentleman who owned the gun because he trusted his dude to build him something and trusted him to the extent he was staking his life on it on a daily basis. And our lives on it as yeah. a law enforcement yeah. officer. So, you know, so be, you know, again, I'm not saying there's not a dude who can build you a gun. You know, oh, well, I wouldn't trust anybody building you a gun. I, I just, you got to kind of vet people sometimes, even your buddies. Um, they're doing it maybe with good intentions or, or not. Maybe they don't like you. I don't know. Um, either way, if that's the case, find better friends or be a better person. Um, but if they're doing it with good intentions, it doesn't mean that you shouldn't still be suspect and go test the crap out of it. Um, it's just something we see on a regular basis. Uh, I had a guy buy a trigger from me, uh, a Bravo company, PNT, and that's an ACT, um, ALG defense ACT trigger from me. And I, he thought I was going to charge him to install it, which normally I don't. It's not a big deal. It takes a few minutes as long as we're not busy on a Saturday with 10 people waiting. Um, I'll throw them in for you because it's, it's easy, and then you can see how it's done properly. He took it home to his buddy again who was, uh, I was, in, he was in the Army, you know, and, and I say Army generically, insert, you know, whatever branch of service you want, Peace Corps, whatever. Um, and the guy installed the, the hammer spring backward, and the gun was doing weird things and not resetting, and it, and, and so very reluctantly brought it to me and he's like, you know, well, the triggers that you sold me is not working right. And I'm like, um, I, I, I highly doubt that, number one. Um, number two, you know, who did you have install it? Oh, my buddy who was in the army. I got to say it like that because that's how it's always said. Um, and so we looked, it's, it's in backward, you know, and, and again, probably with no ill intent. Um, but, you, you know, just be careful who you trust. 
Um, take your stuff out and vet it before you stake your life on it. You know, do those different things. Buy quality parts for the gun. Start with a quality gun as a base and do those different things. Um, because if you come in here with something that's, that's genuinely jacked up, um, I, I'm, I'm probably not going to sugarcoat it. I'm going to look you in the eye and go, you know, where'd this come from? Um, you know, is this a joke? Is there a camera rolling somewhere? Because generally I, I get downright comedic, um, maybe close to abusive at times because it really frustrates me just to see people staking their lives on some of this crap. And in a lot of cases, I'd like to meet the buddy and smack him because you're potentially putting your supposed friend's life at risk. Um, I'm trying to think. There were a couple others that popped up here recently. That Oh, 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 oh. Um, yes. Super cheap scope. Um, one of those brands that everybody says, uh, wow, I love this scope. I can't believe I paid this little for it and it works this well. And oh my gosh, this... You know, it's really great, and I'm not going to, you know, pick on any brand names because there are some of these companies out there going out of their way to try and make a good, inexpensive product. Um, and generally, they'll say, you know, this isn't a duty-ready optic, but it's a really good optic for the price, blah, 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 blah. This guy bought that scope and brought it in. His buddy helped him mount it, and he was having all kinds of problems, and he thought maybe it was his eyesight because he just couldn't see through this awesome 1-6 to six variable front focal plane, $189.00. Um, super cool reticle in it, blah, 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 blah. Um, and when you look through it, man, it just looks like everything's really far away. Buddy mounted it backward. Um, mounted it backward. Now, here's where things get fun. He put red Loctite on the mounting screws. Ooh, and the mounting screws were probably made out of Chinese. Right? Um, thank God it was a Burris Pepper mount, which is built like a flipping tank. Scratch that. Built like a Russian tank, not just any tank. Um, it, so I don't know if you guys haven't handled the burst pepper mounts. Um, they're good for holding scopes in place on ARs and for clubbing baby seals. Um, they weigh a freaking ton. Um, they're durable. They're all steel. Um, but he, but but, and thank God again. I say that because the hardware um, is is big, heavy duty. You know, Torx hardware that you can, and so we were able to heat it up and get the screws out of it. <laughs> without damaging the scope and got it turned around for him. Um, but again, his buddy who was in the army um, literally mounted an optic backward because the wide end is supposed to be at the front. That's how it always is in the movies. So, um, you know, again, careful who you let touch your crap. Um, once we got it on, it was actually a pretty cool scope for a pretty cheap price. So, uh, Provided it didn't get torqued wrong. Yeah. Um, yeah, the multiple installations. Yeah, because I mean, I'm sure if the guy's using red Loctite on on optics mounting hardware, he's probably also using a three eighths inch, you know, torque wrench, and torquing it to eighty three jibazillion foot pounds. But anyway, so so yeah, uh, you guys, if you're kind of getting the vibe of where we're going, um, you know, beware gun store crap, beware stuff your buddy's unloading. It's the best gun ever. Um, you know, if he's unloading it and it's the best gun ever and it's not doing it because he's going through a divorce or, you know, he needs cash because he, or, you know, I don't know, his dog needs a new kidney or something like that. I don't know. Um, you know, if it's the best gun ever, why are you selling it? Um, just be careful of that. That's all. Yeah, then, one one other thing to, to note, um, we get a lot of guys coming in going, well, I got I to gotta customize it to make it mine. Yeah. Um, if you're no. trying to customize the gun. No, you don't. Uh, yeah. One, you probably don't, uh, especially with companies like Daniel Defense, Bravo Company. Uh, 
you know, when they build that gun from the factory, they put a lot of time and energy into putting equipment and putting hardware on there to make that gun functional, um, to make it efficient in movement and operation, um, and, and generally making you more lethal with that particular firearm. Yeah. Um, when you start just swapping stuff out willy-nilly, um, you're essentially undoing all of that engineering and thinking. Well, and proper build sequence, proper build knowledge, proper build technique. Um, you're undo If you take something off that somebody who knew what they were doing installed and then you reinstall it improperly, you're undoing it, literally. Yeah. Literally, you're undoing that gun. You're, you're, you are unglocking your AR, just like we said. Um, yeah, I mean, I, guys, we go back to... And, and again, this is the same topic, but literally a Glock. We had a guy come in the store who didn't want to didn't want a Glock because everybody else had one. He wanted something different, and I'm like, oh, a competition gun, to- range toy? No, it's my for my everyday carry. I just don't want a Glock because because everybody else got got one, and he wanted to go off the reservation and buy something totally tricked out, goofy. And, uh, and, uh, and my comment to him was, wow, you know, when you need new brakes on your on your hot rod, do you go to the guy at the brake place and go, hey, I don't want them good brakes. I want something different. I want something nobody. You got some yellow brakes I can put on my car? I don't care if they work or not. I just want to be different from everybody else when I stake my life on it every time I try and stop my car. Um, the same thing with the AR. If you're throwing stuff on the gun and you back to, you know, back to the Magpul bad lever, if you can't articulate why it's going on the gun, what purpose it see, what purpose it serves, or what point of efficiency it gains for you, um, or how it protects you or makes the gun work better, then rethink that addition to the gun because you might be unglocking it. So, yeah, yeah, um, you know things that legitimately uh, make AR-15s more functional. Uh, charging handles, I think first and foremost, mm-hmm. if that isn't on your the top of your list to upgrade from a, a military, like a mil-spec, mil-spec one, one, yeah. Uh, it should be. Um, we really like the um, Radiant, the Raptor charging handles. Yep. Uh, if you're running a suppressed gun, the SD is fucking awesome. Yeah, it really does change the flow of the gases um, along the top end of the receiver from going all the way back to really kind of pushing them. Uh, vortex and some of those gases down around the bolt carrier group and, and out through the ejection port. Um, if you're going to run a suppressed gun, especially, and then if you're going to run an SD uh, charging handle, you definitely want to cut your maintenance intervals in about half, especially around the bolt carrier group, because it does force hot, dirty, nasty, more hot, dirty, nasty gases down into the bolt end of the BCG. Uh, so be aware of that, but it's also not blowing it back in your face. And I would say the gun is more serviceable than my eyeballs. So yeah. I like it a lot. Um, additionally, taking away the suppressor conversation, the Geisleys as well, the supercharging handle, um, and the Airborns both are, are just just crazy solid charging handles that do what they're supposed to do. Um, and you won't have to wait, you know, eight or nine or 30 weeks for Geisley to fulfill a Black Friday promise because we've got them in stock. Um, yeah. Zing! And, um, uh, I was yeah. going to add, if you can find that buddy who's willing to unload stuff, and get one of the old school um, Viltor design BCM charging handles. Yeah. And you can get that for a song. Um, those are really nice too. Yeah. If you can find one of the old ones um, before, you know, that divorce happened between whoever and Bravo, um, the old ones are really good. The new ones I'd be a little cautious with. Um, but yeah, you know, I mean, uh, so charging handles. Um, 
Uh, what else? What's what's an upgradable item? Safety um, selectors. Uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah. Again, stuff from Radiant, um, particularly because they use a really awesome hardened detent pin. Yep. Um, that again, when you start running suppressed guns, uh, all that carbon and shit gets blown into the receiver. Um, one of the areas where it tends to stick is on the safety selector drum, and it, it can get into and hit and soften and just kind of corrode onto um, that safety selector detent. Um, the mil-spec ones last for a while, but they eventually get really crunchy. Well, they're, they're plated, and it actually wears through the plating, and then eventually that plating starts to get rough edges, and that's what catches. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, they're also ambidextrous, um, which is convenient. Um, it allows you to put the gun back on safe as a right-handed shooter with your trigger finger knuckle. Yep. Um, or with your thumb, um, just gives you a lot more options. Yep. Some other things you can add on to, um, you know, larger oversized bolt catches. Um, you know, we do a lot with the Geisley Maritimes and with the bad, uh, the bad levers, like I mentioned for Magpul. Um, you know, the, the advantage of those weapons is injured shooter manipulation. Um, I know the bad lever, everybody looks at it as a way to reload the gun fast. I, I actually don't use it for that. I use it for administrative clearance of the weapon to make it safe. And then also in that injured shooter situation where you're down to one hand and you're trying to clear something, clear the gun out, um, being able to put a toe, a boot, a knee, a something on a, a maritime bolt catch or on a Geisley bad lever or some manner of other enlarged bolt catch device that's ruggedized, um, you know, that's, that's a great addition to the gun too if you're going to use it and train with it. Um, if not, you know, just leave it alone, you know, either way. So, um yeah, so I mean, you know, just different things with a gun like that. And we could probably go on for days with this because it's kind of where we'll nerd out on it big time. But those are the things that matter. Um, triggers, you know, if you're going to put a trigger in, put a good trigger in. Um, there's a lot of them out there. There's a lot of crap out there too, but there's a lot of them out there. Anything that generally says Geisley or ALG on it or Bravo Company on it is, is going to be, you know, more than just serviceable. It's going to be a legitimate improvement to the gun in a very, very, very low risk proposition you're going to be getting something better than what was in the gun already, most likely. Yeah, you know, looking at the, the Geisley in particular, um, their trigger system was designed to never, ever fail yeah. um, for guys who get kicked out of their job if they have a negligent discharge. Yeah. Yep, yep. Yeah, I mean, the you know, the SSA is, is ruggedized enough that there's a bunch of dudes downrange relying on them on a regular basis, and it, it gets the job done. So, yeah. Enough preaching. Yeah. All right. If we picked on you today, I'll apologize. Um, but hopefully we all learned something from it. And thank you for letting us share a little of your misery with other folks so that they can learn vicariously um, through your experiences and, and maybe teach someone else and, and help them not have that same situation happen to them. So. And if they didn't, they'll be featured on the next episode of Tales from Behind the Gun Counter. Bingo. <laughs> cool. On that note, um, come stop in and see us. Um, we're in Hilliard, Ohio, 4465 Cemetery Road. Uh, we are right in front of the Aldi's. Uh, if you got a gun that you want us to take a look at, we very strongly encourage you to bring it in cased and unloaded. Uh, if you want to check us out on social media, we're at Cap City Outfitters. Uh, we'll be there as long as they let us stick around. And you can always drop us an email, um, info at capcityoutfitters.com. Thanks for tuning in, guys.